Hey, it's Yoda Bud. I've been working with young people and adults for more than 40 years, helping them to live their best life. Now on this podcast, I do it for you too. That's why we call it At Your Best. So I can help you become your best self each week. So let's explore stories from all across Canada and celebrate how strong we really are, even when we feel at our weakest. On this episode, we start off by exploring why working from home isn't necessarily the best for your health and why it's important to check in with yourself for at least a few minutes a day. And we'll be talking with a really interesting man who not only acts and makes music, but also wrote a book on how to optimize your mental health. Just what we love to read and talk about. So sit back, relax, and get ready to listen to ways we can help make you be at your best. Let's get to the real McCoy here. Um, I'm going to say something right now, and I want to hear what you think, but this is what I think. I think the concept of hybrid or working from home is not a good thing. I've been saying this for a couple of years. I've been, you know, after the first year or so of lockdown uh, and uh, people weren't going back to normal or what I certainly thought was normal, certainly at the time. Now, apparently we have a new normal. And this new normal, according to the folks at Carleton University and a whole bunch of others, which we'll get to in weeks to come, because I think I'm going to make this a thing. I think I'm going to make this my thing. I think I'm going to make the uh, screaming and yelling from the top of a hill uh, or top of a building that working from home, hybrid or not, unless it's properly organized, structured, and has some um, uh, rules and regs around it, I don't think it's healthy. And according to the folks at Carleton, they don't think it's healthy either, according to the researchers. Lots of people have something now referred to as home fever. Ever heard of cabin fever? Well, cabin fever and home fever, same thing. One is in your home, one is in your cabin. I don't have a cabin. So I, if I was going to get cabin fever and home fever, I think I'm doing it at the same address. I don't know how you, what you think. Anyway, give me a call. Give me a text here. Excuse me. 877-399-9898. What do you think? You think this thing working from home is, is, is a good thing? You're not finding it more difficult to kind of get up and get motivated and so on. Uh, I certainly think that it's something that we probably should be talking about. You know, I can tell you stories, a couple of stories here for sure, uh, of a particular situation with a particular patient. Obviously, we can't get into too much detail, but I can tell you that this person has, having, has been having a real hard time regulating themselves while working from home, having a difficult time getting up in the morning, having a difficult time uh, knowing when 5 o'clock comes in terms of when to drink. So now 5 o'clock is coming at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, uh, sometimes getting out of bed not till 9, 9.15. Now, now, this isn't everyone, but this is a particular individual. And frankly, most of the people I, I communicate with in my business, in my practice, um, are in the same situation where, where a regulated schedule is very important and very much a part of their stable mental health. Certainly it is for me. I'm not sure if it is for you. So give us a holler. 877-399-9898. And uh, Jono's on the other end. He'll take your call or, or text I got right in front of me. So I am standing by waiting to hear from you and talk with you and share with you. But the conversation is around working from home. And I'm of the opinion that it's not a good thing. I, I'm not of the opinion that, you know, once in a while or, you know, the odd Friday, maybe the second Friday of every month or something. But yeah, and, and you know, and everybody I can see people out there going, yeah, but you know, it's so much easier. I don't have to take the subway. I don't have to take the bus. I don't have to park. I don't have to cost less gas, no traffic. There are tons, I'm sure, there are tons of benefits of working from home. 
But did you did you recognize? Have you looked at some of the downsides? If you're really honest with yourself, if you're looking at me right now, and I come on, you're looking at me, we're looking at each other. So eyeball to eyeball here, okay? Okay. So if we're looking at each other and we're being really truthful and really honest, don't you find it's just a little tougher to get motivated when you know there's no one really there to know when you show up? And have you noticed that your boss or the people at work are calling for for earlier uh, Zoom meetings or Teams meetings or whatever the platform meetings you're having, uh, the virtual uh, office visits? Now they're calling them for, you know, if you're if you're supposed to be at work at nine o'clock, they're asking you to log on at 10 to nine. Now, and you best be ready. You can't be dragging your, your butt out of bed, throwing on a, a sweatshirt, throwing your hair up or doing whatever, put a baseball hat on and get in front of a camera and expect everybody to think you're ready for work because you're not. You know it and I know it. Bob in Vancouver, what do you think? Hybrid? Stay at home, don't stay at home. What do you think? I, 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 well, I, we used to, and sometimes we do, and and I don't like this at all. I think it's caused, uh, for me personally, a little bit of an eye damage, and and you know, sitting in front of the screen, Interesting. Um, Interesting. And, and 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 like you said it eloquently, and I'll add to that is, uh, you just do not have the game face on when they're not at work, um, and um, so I work in an industry where. You know, we could do it hybrid, but no, not at all, because, you know, it's it's just, uh, you know, a lot of the executives are working from home. That does not set a good example for everybody else. I agree. Because we keep sending emails, and we have to sit in front of the screen, keep staring at the emails, and can't even make any sense out of it. I want to be able to walk up to colleagues and just say, you know, what the heck are you talking about, you know, and uh, uh, so this, this has been misunderstood emails responses absolutely not that's why they call it work and with me i do my work and i leave all my work at work and then i go home so you know what bob i really appreciate the call and it's you bring up a great point buddy um you know it's it's tough to leave work at work if work is your kitchen table, I, I, I know people, right. frankly, Bob, I, I, I know people that are taking business calls and business video, uh, you know, virtual meetings in a closet in their car, in their garage, uh, in some room in the basement. Um, and it's just, you know, and, and frankly, they just don't have an office to go to anymore. So appreciate the call, appreciate the support and love the fact that you're a listener and uh, stick with me, Bob. I need guys like you. Need people like you out there helping me do what we do, spreading the message, talking about stuff that really maybe don't people don't want to talk about. Maybe no one wants to hear Yona say, I think working from home sucks and it's not a good thing. I don't think it's healthy for us. I think it's creating a whole level of 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 frankly, you know, lazy work habits because you're at home. And you can, you know, like I say, roll out of bed. Anyway, we're going to do more of this. We're going to talk about more of this when we come back from break and touch more on this work from home stuff. want to hear what you think uh, about uh, home fever, which is now the new version. It's the 2024 version of cabin fever. I was okay with the old version of cabin fever. New enough to say that I didn't want to be in a lockdown position. Not good for me. I had a tough time. I made it work. I mean, but I had a tough time. As soon as I could get out, though, boy, did we ever. Threw on a pair of skates, I think, was the first thing you could do here in Ontario. You could go skating. So that's what we did. Threw on some skates and went out and just tried to see other human beings to make sure that I didn't wake up in the morning with this apocalyptic mindset because no one's on the streets anymore. 
It was ugly, if you remember. Well, we're not there anymore. It's a new year, and there's a new sheriff in town, and I'm telling you, I don't like it. We're talking uh, initially here about working from home, the whole concept of working from home. You think it's something that's good for you? You like it? It works for you? Or you find it just, you're lacking, you know, maybe the discipline you need, right? Like, are you really doing the right thing? You're getting out of bed early enough. You're getting dressed for work. You're preparing yourself for work. Are you going into it with a mindset that says, <clears throat> you know, this feels like work? Or does it just feel like you're hanging out at home, doing nothing and getting paid? So that's the conversation we're having, we were having and I'd uh, like to continue to have it with you if you want. And um, yeah, man, jump in here and uh, tell me what you think. Where I want to go right now is uh, I want to spend a couple of couple of segments here with me. We're going to spend some time here over a break and everything. Uh, so stick with me, get comfortable, maybe take some notes because I'm going to give you some strategies and some skills. <clears throat> Excuse me have a hoarse throat tonight. We're going to talk about mindfulness and the kinds of questions you should be asking yourself when you do your self-check-in. What the hell is a self-check-in, Yona? Well, you know, you know the whole concept of checking in on yourself when you've got, you know, they tell you if you check, you know, lumps, if uh, you have, you know, check your breasts for lumps and you see any lumps on your body or any certain, you know, check yourself every once in a while like I do to see if there's any marks that shouldn't be there, the things that are growing that, you know, came out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're there, like self-checking, right? Physical self-check, right? Make sure that things are where they need to be and things aren't there that shouldn't be there. Well, the self-check on the inside, the mental health check-in, that's what we're talking about here right now, right? So imagine people are going through stuff and, and you're wondering to yourself, you know, like, it's just like normal. Am I, am I, is this what I, is this something I should be feeling? I, you know, I had somebody call me not long ago when we were talking about, um, about how they can regulate themselves, how they understand themselves, right? How they can recognize whether they're in a good place or not. And, you know, my answer was, well, how do you know if you're in a good place if you've never been in a bad place? And how do you know you're in a bad place if you've never been in a good place? And then we, you know, go off to a, a mindful conversation about staying in the moment, which is really the concept. Get your head in that moment. Get your head in the, in, in the fun and the reality of where you are right here, right now. That's what this is about. So I want you to talk about the idea. I want you to get the concept in your mind and be comfortable with it as we talk about the idea of self-check, looking at ourselves to see what the heck's going on inside, right? Mental health check-in questions. I got 10 of them. We're going to talk about them. We're going to kick them around. We're talk it's all about building foundation of self-compassion, getting some control over your emotions, reducing your emotional reactiveness, right? How quickly you respond to stuff because it gets under your skin and it's usually from people that you don't like so much. Maybe there's people you like. I don't know. I find people mostly react to people that get under their skin and kind of peeve them off a little bit, right? And then mitigating any stress and anxiety by trying to make yourself feel a little better. I don't know, Maureen, am I off the hook here? Or like, does this make sense? Um, I was going to, first of all, going to comment that I've been retired for a few years now, but living by myself, I could never imagine working from home. You lose right. so much interpersonal communication and connection with people. Right. It's That's... absolutely so essential. 
yeah, yeah, you're my partner right here, right now. No, exactly, right? Like it's just, just, just see, just seeing people in the in the hallway or the elevator. I mean, I used to work in the big towers years and years and years and years ago in downtown Toronto. And you know, as much as I hated and complained, I kind of liked the the bustle to jump into the elevator and the people downstairs when you went for coffee and. And then working from, you know, start working from home. And there's like, as much as I love my wife and my dog, like sometimes enough is enough, right? It, it, and, and I was in data analytics in the 90s when I was inventing it because nobody knew what it was. <laughs> I needed to be able to run into the customers and be able yeah. to talk to them. Yeah. I couldn't have done yeah. the job without that. So what did you do when everybody was locked down? Well, I lived, I lived by myself, and I had got out and walked and walked and walked and walked, and that's kind of... Oh, and, and in Vancouver, we were allowed to start ice skating in November. Yeah, so that was a big, save, big savior for me was ice skating. Yeah. Maureen, thanks so much for sharing, and uh, I, I hope you really enjoy your, uh, your retirement. It sounds to me like you're probably a pretty busy retiree. I, I am. I'm, I'm quite an activist politically. Uh-oh. And I still actually, because I worked in the public sector, I still quote work in the public sector and tell them how to be doing what they need to be doing. <laughs> well, good luck. Good luck with that. Thanks so much for sharing, Heaven. Make it a great weekend. Um, okay, we're going to get into some Maureen. There you go. That's what you want. People like her. You want to be around people like her because she's energetic and excited. You can hear it in her voice. She's upbeat. She's, you know, she's motivated. Just you can hear that she has a zest and a, a, a yearning for life just in her voice. At least I can anyway. And I'm sure if I met her, if you met her down the street, you'd see the same thing because I think that's what you're going to see on the other side of the voice is someone with that radiating from their face, from their eyes, from their smile. Anyway, enough about Maureen. How am I feeling right now? That's question. How are you doing? If you've ever been a Friends uh, and Friends uh, fan, the show, how are you doing? How am I feeling right now? Take a moment to identify your current emotional state. Okay, right now. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to take a break in a minute, a few minutes, and pay some bills and then we're going to come back. We're going to keep doing this. Okay. Okay. So take some emotional inventory. How am I doing right now? First of all, how am I feeling? I feel tired. I feel this. I feel that. I feel anxious. I don't put words in your mouth, but you know, fill fill in the blanks. Now, the second thing is what does my body need right now? Like I'm feeling like this and really if I could lie down, I would feel better. Or I'm feeling like this, and maybe if I had something to eat, maybe kick up my feet, have something to eat, I'd feel a little better. Maybe I just need to be distracted from whatever is bothering me right now. What does my body need right now? Well, body, inside, outside, same thing, right? So learn something right now. It's an acronym used in SMART Recovery for people who are recovering from substance abuse disorders of various kinds. SMART Recovery, it's a, a, another form of recovery uh, right? It has group programs and support and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into that another day. Smart Recovery has an acronym called HALT. H-A, Harold, Adam, Leonard, Tommy. HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. That's what those stand for. Hungry, H is for hungry, right? A is for angry, L is for lonely, T is for tired. If you're wondering why you're not feeling the greatest right now, and I'm hoping that's not the case. I hope that us being together right now is enough to give you that chill and get you to a place where you feel comfy and cozy because that's where I want you to be. That's what this is all about. But maybe you need something to eat. Maybe you're a little angry. 
Maybe you're a touch lonely. Maybe you're tired. I know when I'm tired and I haven't had something to eat, I can be really nasty. So how do you know how you're doing? So here's how you know how you're doing. You ask yourself real quick, how am I feeling right now? What did my body need at this moment? And what self-care action can I take today? That's another big one, right? We also talk quickly about what HALT is. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, H-A-L-T, HALT. If you're feeling crummy, feeling a little uh, weak, kind of uh, a little anxious, maybe a little depressed, confidence not feeling that being at its best, check it out. Make sure you're eating. Make sure you've been sleeping. Make sure you're not so lonely and make sure you're not tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If people are pissing you off, that'll get to you for sure. That makes you not want to eat anyway, right? And it also keeps you up at night. So it's not good for us. So what self-care action can you take today? I'm going to tell you the thing you need to learn how to do today. Listen to me. Let it go. Forgive yourself. Ask yourself, what can I forgive myself for today? And what can I forgive someone in my life for today? If you can give up some forgiveness for yourself and give up some forgiveness for someone in your life who's obviously important enough to you that it matters if they forgive you or not, or you forgive them or not. But this is about you checking in on you. This is about you getting rid of your stuff, getting the baggage off your shoulders, making your life easier. Ask yourself, what can I forgive myself for? Right? Maybe I can forgive someone in my life too, and I don't have to carry that weight around. Oh my gosh. I tell people sometimes, if you're not sure what it means to carry around emotional baggage, go get yourself a knapsack or some kind of duffel bag. Remember duffel bags? Long, skinny things you could fill up with stuff when you went to summer camp or off to a, a holiday or somewhere, or you're running away from home. I did that once. We'll talk about that another time. But we're talking about making sure that you can forgive yourself. Give yourself a break. Don't carry that bag around on your shoulders. Fill it up with rocks and dirt. Try to carry a couple of hundred pounds even 60 pounds, 50 pounds of dirt around in a knapsack or something in your, in your bag, in, in your, on your back. Carry that around for a couple of days. Imagine how your shoulders feel. Well, if your shoulders feel horrible carrying their physical stuff around, let me tell you that emotionally on the inside, not so good either. And what am I grateful for today? That's another really important thing. What am I grateful for? Gratitude check. Yeah, man. Make sure that one goes on the list. Yep. Gratitude check. What am I grateful for? Because you know what? If you slow it down long enough and you focus on some of the stuff that's in your life that's great, generally speaking, it, it outshines the crappy stuff. Trust me, it works. And, you know, why aren't my needs being met today? Why, 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 what, am I, what am I avoiding? Why am I not allowing things to happen in my life that make that are important to me? And those needs that I need to have and identify what those needs are. Maybe it's just a connection with somebody. Maybe it's some recognition. Maybe you're just feeling a little bluesy and a little neglected and you need to be with people who are going to prop you up and, you know, primp you up, so to speak, and make you feel good about yourself. Celebrate you a little bit. And while you're celebrating you, what, is, what can you celebrate? What kind of accomplishments? What accomplishments? What did you do today to help yourself? What you do to say today to build up your self-esteem or build up your motivation? Little tiny victories. The people that are in my substance abuse practice, their, their biggest victory every day is getting up clean and sober. The people in my in, that, that I see that have mental health issues, which are generally one and the same for the most part, frankly, usually the same people, 
getting up and feeling somewhat better about yourself each day. Little tiny accomplishments. In my coaching practice, bigger accomplishments, you know, reaching different heights, you know, different kinds of stamina, different, and so on and so forth, different accomplishments, achievements, if you will. What could I be doing right now that's holding myself back? What's holding me back from being able to accomplish the things I want to accomplish so I can celebrate them? Don't want you to spend time beating yourself up, by the way, if you don't get to the celebratory part. And maybe that's the that's the big win, is not beating yourself up for things that you didn't do that you thought you wanted to do. By the way, most of the stuff we beat ourselves up about, it's stuff that we put on ourselves. Generally, not when someone else is measuring it. It's usually when we measure ourselves. So how do you learn to be kinder to yourself? Give yourself a break. So if it doesn't get done today, it can get done tomorrow. If you can't sell, if you can't go out and do something tonight that you're supposed to do with a bunch of people because you don't feel like doing it, it's okay. Be kinder to yourself. Be a little bit selfish in order to be more giving. How's that for a concept? Learn to be more selfish so you're able to be more giving. It's a real thing. What's the one thing that I can do and let go of right now? What can I let go of right now that's just not serving me? Well, habits, bad habits, certain thoughts, obligations that you think you have in your life that are holding you back. Imagine letting them go. Imagine going out and dumping that knapsack full of dirt back in the dirt where it belongs and carrying home that knapsack on your shoulders or down the street or up the street or up the stairs or whatever, being empty now with no weight. So much easier, right? Of course it is. It's much easier to carry an empty bag than one that's full of stuff. We all know that, right? And here's probably the most important thing we need to focus on when doing when doing itself a self check in and getting ourselves to a good place. When you're checking in on yourself, you're asking these are questions you ask yourself: What accomplishments? How can I be kinder to myself? How can I let things go? This is the one, my friends. Yes, the other day, I'll tell you a quick story. So the other day, I had to go buy something at a, at a store. I had to buy a part for something. Couldn't find it. Went all over the place. Went from place to place to place and expert to expert to expert who told me, try here, try here, try here, try here. Anyway, finally walked into a place that I thought would have it. Turns out that they didn't. Who had it ultimately? Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, sick, right? Could have done it from my car. So anyway... Driving around, finally got to this place, walked in. There was two lovely women, lovely ladies standing there, um, you know, senior senior women in their, I'm sure, 70s plus. Uh, one was standing in line for this and one was standing in line for something else. And she asked me if I had a number. I said, no, I didn't. And she said, well, get one over there. I said, great. We joked about her number being smaller than mine. I said, so what do I have to pay you for your number? I was joking. She says, no, no, I'll give it to you. I'm not in a hurry. I says, I'm not either. She says, yeah, I know everybody's running around way too far. Like, everyone just runs around too much. I said, yeah, no, not me. I said, I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. I mean, I lied a little bit. Sometimes I run around, but not that day, right? I said, the only thing I run towards is joy. Four people in line turned around and looked at me with giant smiles on their face going, good for you. <laughs> I kind of made it up at the time, but they're right. Running for joy. What brings me joy? Number 10 on the hit parade here. Should be number one. How do I incorporate that into my life? 
How do I identify sources of joy? Hobbies, personal relationships, community endeavors, pick things, social activities, doing something nice, building something that makes you feel special because you're able to put something together from nothing. Right? I'm telling you, the self-check-in stuff, really good. Makes a big difference on how you feel about yourself. Makes a big difference because you can take things off in little bit parts, right? Doesn't have to be a giant accomplishment. Just a little thing every day by checking in and making sure that you're in the place that you need to be in. You're doing the things you need to do, right? That's what I'm talking about. That's what's important here as far as I'm concerned. My guest this evening is a uh, lovely young man. His name is Anthony McLean. Anthony and I met uh, a bunch of years ago, three, four years ago, maybe four or five years ago. I think just the beginning of the pandemic, we both uh, spoke at a youth uh, a youth day for uh, City of Brampton here in Ontario. And uh, I loved what he had to say. And I guess he said I had some interest in what I had to say. We kind of connected after. And I've been watching him for quite some time and watching him online and seeing what he's doing. He's become uh, quite a, um, uh, a recognized expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion. He's a motivational speaker. He's a screenwriter. He's a really cool guy. He's uh, now an author. We're going to talk about his book. And uh, he's um, also a uh, pretty decent actor, from what I'm told. I've never seen him act in anything. Anthony, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, you're halfway around the world. I miss you. I wish you like were right next to me in the studio, like the old days. But um, so, what's going? I mean, I talk about what's going on, how you've been, but we'll do that another time. Um, you put this book out. It's called All Fired Up: Optimize Mental Health to Ignite Joy and Fuel Peak Performance. It's really cool. I've got my my copy. I haven't really had a chance to get through it all, uh, but uh, sounds like it's something um, that's all about you. But it didn't start like this. So. Give us a bit of a background. People don't know who you are. I mean, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're a, you know, you're, you're a speaker, you're, you, you do some incredible things. Um, how did you go from all that to, to where you are today? Well, I mean, I think you forgot the most important thing about me, which is I was the most infamous class clown in Ontario <laughs> ever. I mean, I gave teachers such a hard time. And honestly, Yona, the first thing I want to say is I, I have a feeling you might have some teachers listening, maybe some retired teachers. Maybe I put some teachers in retirement. I can <laughs> neither confirm nor deny that that may have happened. But uh, it all started with I had too much energy in class and I was always goofing off and acting up. And yeah, I wasn't disrespectful to teachers, but I was just disruptive. But I had one teacher who saw the energy I had and realized, Anthony, you're not a bad kid. You just need a stage. She called my mom, said, put this kid in theater. He's going to be fine. And that's what my mom did. And I found my home on a stage. I found really, I felt comfortable speaking in front of people. And that's kind of what gave birth to everything. Is acting. So you, 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 you're at, you're a live actor, but you also did some commercials and other stuff as well, right? Yeah, I did. So I ended up hosting a show on CBC. This is back in like 2005. And it was called The X. And it was a, a kid's show. And it was on CBC coast to coast. So to get kids to watch the show, we used to travel to schools. 
and all across the country. And, you know, a school would bring 400 grade seven students to the gym and hand me the microphone and say, hey, Anthony, entertain them so they'll watch the show. And, Yona, the first time I had like 500, you know, 12 year olds staring at me, I was so nervous. Like, how do I entertain them? But I learned a secret, and that is no one can resist a good story. And so if I could tell a good story, they were hooked. And I loved it. And one school I went to, uh, it was so great. At the end, a teacher came up to me and said, Anthony, that was amazing. Our kids love you. Can you come back and do a talk about bullying? Because bullying is our big problem right now. And you know how sometimes you don't realize how a conversation might change your life? That changed my life. I started speaking about bullying and that changed my career from an actor to a speaker. You know, um, you knew growing up, of course, what it was like to have bullies around. I'm sure I'm not sure you were one of them. For uh, And by the way, I didn't know you were a class clown just by, you know, I didn't have that PR piece. I, I, I do know now and, <laughs> and, I, and I will, I will figure it out. But, um, you know, that, 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 that that changing moment for you when you when you stood up and you were given the opportunity to talk about bullying you you i guess that was a a time then it started to get very real i mean that's a conversation that's very real and impacts a lot of a lot of people adults and kids alike but um did you find that you were moving kids could you see them in the audience buddy were you able to to watch them catch what you were saying while you were talking about this stuff Man, that's exactly what happened because what, what, what was the light switch moment for me that I I realized like, Oh, is when I started researching bullying, I realized very quickly that in school I had been bullied. I knew that I was often the only black kid in my class. So I was aware of that. I had been a bystander. I remember, you know, having friends that were teasing people and I kind of did nothing. And I was just kind of glad I wasn't being made fun of, but I also went through a period to be honest, where I was the just kidding guy that I would make fun of people go way too far, but then say, yeah, but I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to have fun. So really I had been a bully. I had been a bystander. I had been bullied. So anytime I spoke, I tried to hit all three of those people in the audience. Did did you, did you come clean? I mean, did you, would you, I mean, I know you would be a a man of great integrity, but did you, I mean, in your conversations, in your pitch and and, and your speech, did you tell these kids that, Hey, I, I I did step over the line. I was that bully from time to time. And, and, and did you find that the, the more you shared your frailties, the closer they got to you? I think you already know the answer, Yona, because you know how human beings are like, if I'm guarded and I'm not being honest about my past, then, you know, I'm not really going to hit those people where they are. So that's exactly what I did. I told these kids, I know what it's like. I used to do that too, but now I know the impact on my words. Now I know how much I was hurting people. And so I always try to appeal to them. I have been there. I know what it's like. And I feel like empathy when I'm not judging you, but I'm saying I have walked in your shoes. I know what it's like, but that behavior is not what you want to be remembered for. How do you want people to remember you? And so I feel like I was able to make an impact that way. And do you find that, did you, do you find and have you found, um, maybe it's a part one and part two we'll do after the break here, but part one of the question is, have you found as a result of this kind of sharing over the years, you've now been doing it so successfully, um, how, in what way, in what profound kind of ways, or maybe not so profound kind of ways, has it changed you? Has it impacted you as you've been growing through this, teaching everyone else how to grow? 
Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the funny thing is when I started speaking to schools, I was not a parent. Uh, Susie and I had just gotten married. We didn't have kids ourselves. I started speaking to students. It went really well. I was speaking to all these schools. And then I got invited to speak to parents. And I'm so nervous that I, I read every parenting book I can get oh, my gosh. hands on. And now I'm speaking to parents about what to do if your kid is being bullied, what to do if your kid is a bully, how to, how to you know, manage a kid that's going through a time where they're not opening up and talking about what's happening. And so I'm learning all this material about parenting. And then Susie gets pregnant. We realize we're going to be parents. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I know some stuff about this. So I learned <laughs> so much. It was kind of like, I say like God did the Miyagi thing to me. Like yeah. I thought I was just waxing the car, but I was really learning how to, how to fight. I thought I was just learning about this stuff in order to be a better speaker, but really it helped me be a better parent. So I, I, I've learned so much over the years and then transitioning to mental health. It's been so impactful to my own mental health as I've shared tools that worked for me as I've done more research. It's been amazing. Anthony, who motivates you? Well, I think my wife really helps me a lot because to be honest with you, Yona, I think we all struggle with balance. And I think that's normal. It's part of the human experience. You're going to have a tendency to maybe be the type of person like me that if left to my own devices, I'd probably be a workaholic. And then there's probably people in the other ditch, right? Where it's like, maybe they're more on the lazy side of things. Maybe they need to get up and do a little bit more activity. But if it was up to me, I would just be working all the time. Go, go, go. I got big goals. I got dreams. I want to get things done. But she's able to slow me down and say, hey, why don't we just go for a walk? Hey, let's hang out with some friends this weekend. And wh what are we going to do this year for a fun family trip? And, you know, I think we need to spend more time as a family together. And so she brings me out of my work zone. And, and so she's a really big inspiration and, and help for me. That's great to hear. I got one of those at home, too. So we're both very lucky, guys. <laughs> Tell me a story. Tell me a quick story. I know you're such a great storyteller. Tell me a quick story of an interaction that you've had in the last, I don't know, few months with somebody that really kind of rocked you in a positive way. Man, I was in Chicago and I was speaking for some business leaders out there. And um, this guy came up to me and he said, look, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I grew up in a rough neighborhood and in my neighborhood to survive, like you couldn't be soft. Like if you were soft in my neighborhood, like you would not survive. And so I grew up being very tough. And that helped me. And then I, I did well in school. I got a scholarship. I went to college. And, and now I'm this executive. And that same toughness I had as a kid, now it's like my drive and, and business. And, and I'm driven and ambitious. And it's good, but I'm having a tough time connecting with my wife. And I'm having a tough time connecting with my kids. And she says, I'm emotionally distant. And my kids feel like they can't open up to me. And I had so much compassion for this guy. And I told him, look, the fact that you opened up and told me this is yeah, huge because that's vulnerability. You're getting vulnerable. And I said, the other thing is this, you need to know that sometimes the things you had to do to survive during one portion of your life, are going to be the very same things that are going to hold you back in another section of your life. Yeah. 
And so this is not about you never should have been that like really tough person. You had to do that to survive. But now you're recognizing now it's holding you back. And so I talked to him about internal family systems, a type of therapy that I think is wonderful, where you realize like, hey, there's parts of me now that are trying to like keep me safe, but actually they're holding me back. And I can let go of those parts and I can turn down the volume on that and turn up the volume on other parts of my personality so I can, can connect with the people that I love. And so I, you know, encourage them to, to reach out to a therapist that's trained in internal family systems. And it was a really powerful moment, truly. Well, you're going to make me cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. And, and by the way, that such seems to be such a thing, right? That uh, so many people um, are so successful in their life when they look at the material sides of their success and their growth in the company and promotions and income and all that. Then they turn around, they look at the people that are so important to them and they just have like zero connection. So uh, great, advi yeah. great advice for a situation. What's next for Anthony McLean? Well, I'm having such a great time talking about this book. I feel like mental health is one of those things, especially in the business world, that yeah. now people are talking about it more. So I'm traveling all over the place, speaking to organizations about the book, and that's what I'm excited about. To normalize the conversation, everyone goes through this stuff. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about getting away from that habit I see a lot of people do where they like white knuckle it through their work day and then they get home and they unleash the worst themselves and the people they're doing life with. So let's practice self-care at work and let's practice a shutdown routine at the end of the work day, even if you're working from home, so that and that's when you practice box breathing, when you're ending yeah. your work day and now you're going to do life with the people you're doing life with, you do some box breathing in between so you can bring your best to those people. So that's what I'm excited about. Anthony McLean, I'm excited for you. I'm going to continue to watch you. I love you, brother. You're just uh, you're an inspiration for uh, lots of people. Certainly for me, I like watching what you're doing. And uh, more pictures, please. I'd like to see more pictures. Anthony McLean, good friend, uh, author of All Fired Up: Optimize Mental Health to Ignite Joy and Fuel Peak Performance. It's a must. If you can get him to come and speak to your company or to your organization, he's uh, someone that. Uh, you want to line up for because uh, what he delivers is really good and he's just really good at it. Thanks, brother. Thanks for being here with me. Hey, thank you, Yona. Have a good one.